Welcome to Yes the Stripper Podcast, a podcast for all sex workers. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the clubs and all the amazing things us sex workers do. I'm so inspired and in awe with each and every one of you, and I'm always excited for what's going to be shared next. I'm your stripper queen from the North, Onyx, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hey, folks, and welcome back to Yes, the Stripper podcast. I'm your stripper queen from the North, Onyx. Today's guest is an also fellow Canadian sister queen of mine, all the way from the east side of Canada. Welcome, Enchante. Say hello for us. (laughs) Um, Tell us your pronouns, where you're from, a little bit of something about yourself. Get us started here. So my pronouns are she, her. Um, I'm from Montreal. Um, I've been doing burlesque for the last three, four years. I feel like my timeline's all messed up because of COVID. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I do a little bit of this. I do a little bit of that. You can also catch my online work, um, at my OnlyFans page at Ashante. Nice. And, and and yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. How was your COVID year? What did you do? How did you survive? (laughs) Um, I feel like, okay, definitely a loaded question with a lot of ups and downs, but like, I've always wanted to develop an online presence and start, um, my own website and, uh, being at home definitely gave me the chance to do that. Um, I've always had an Instagram page, but really had to edit videos, um, things like that. I never really had time to do. So COVID definitely gave me a chance to, uh, you know, work on editing skills, uh, work on photography skills. Um, there were times where the city was completely shut down. So if I needed new content, um, I would have to shoot it myself. Mm. And that in itself is an experience because, you know, though these are all different art forms, photography, um, video editing, um, they're really a skill. <laughs> so to have an appreciation for it and then to just jump in um, and try to learn these things were definitely interesting. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> really, I'm really uh, happy that things are open back up and we can go back to me being a model stripper or um, dancer or whatever. And then photographers can go back to being photographers and videographers, videographers. Uh, yeah. But it seems like you picked up some new skills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy like doing your own uh, editing and all that stuff? I know it's a lot of work for photography and filming. I did. Um, it definitely gives me an appreciation for, for things and the way that things are made. Um, there are days where I just had enough and gave up. But um, there are other days where I was a bit more patient with myself, um, exploring lighting, uh, different kinds of lighting, uh, you know, how to take a nice portrait. So. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I see that you have Amplify BIPOC Burlesque. That's your company, your fund uh, scholarship as well. Tell us about that. That seems really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I do Amplify Burlesque uh, with my sister Joy Ryder. And we've started this a little over a year ago. Um, what Amplify Burlesque is, is a burlesque scholarship. Uh, so we have this burlesque scholarship. Um, for BIPOC students, um, 
we've funded uh, personal projects. So uh, through developing the burlesque community, the BIPOC burlesque community in Montreal, uh, we have a lot of amazing people. And it was really cool to see what they were doing during the pandemic and uh, give them assistance because burlesque is expensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, It is. (laughs) Um, And sometimes, you know, we got these big ideas but you know the budget is you know so (laughs) yeah uh, it was really cool to be able to give assistance uh to people uh that more than deserve it um you know the difference i think really between um you know a person of color joining an art form and maybe a white person doing an art form is always a question of resources that are available uh so starting amplify burlesque kind of helps to i guess bridge that gap Mm-hmm. that's amazing and how long has that been around you said a year yeah a little over a year um it started right before the pandemic so I mean nobody knew this was going to happen but like we knew that we wanted to do Amplify we had our first fundraiser show booked at the Wiggle Room everything was set and then everything closed down Ugh. So, um, Ugh. it's been really nice of the community kind of supporting us uh, mm-hmm. in the last year and a half um, we did an online show online fundraiser uh, we did another online fundraiser I think back in April uh yeah, all considering it's been really, really, um, like, I definitely can't complain of how far we've come all considering in a pandemic. That's amazing. Yeah, I looked at some of your um, online fundraiser lineups, and I'm like, whoo, that looks fire. They look great. I wish I was like watching that show. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I was also looking at um, this music video you did. All I saw was uh, the photo of your mouth wide open. I'm going to describe <laughs> as much as possible, but you're like head corked to the side, mouth open. Uh, got the other woman. Follow. Ah, I'm like, mm, uh, caption this. <laughs> <laughs> so you got you definitely chosen a lot of things from burlesque to music videos and whatnot. How it was the experience for that? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, even starting burlesque, I never really knew where it was going to take me. So like, I've kind of just been doing that, um, seeing where things go, going with the flow, uh, being appreciative of every moment, because I never expected to be this far in burlesque, uh, let alone in a music video, let alone getting to meet you and having this interview right now. (laughs) So really just trying to give thanks to every opportunity that comes my way. Mm. Um, I think Stormy moved back to LA. She spent some time in Montreal during the pandemic. Um, and yeah, I mean, a little bit like how I got started in burlesque and with sex work in general is kind of how I met Stormy um, through a photographer that I do hair and makeup for. Nice. So like sh- she needed bad bitches in her mu- music video to pop off and get it twerking. And like, that that's me. So <laughs> I was really excited to be a part of that. Yeah, I loved it. It was so creative. You're all over in that video. I love it. (laughs) Good job. So I was having a question because I saw another picture of your Queen of Pain act. Do you participate in any kind of dom play? Can we call females doms or is it dominatrix? Either way, I still find that hot. But yeah, two questions there for you. (laughs) Uh, I I am not a dom myself. I just really, really, really love that song by the cramps. Um, I guess if I was, if I was to think of myself as anything, I'm definitely a brat, (laughs) but I definitely like to play with uh, the more dominant side. Um, I mean, 
I, I have an act too, where I'm, I guess, more of a switch or more submissive, but like, who doesn't like the idea of a wild woman, like mm-hmm. power woman in charge. So mm-hmm. I love that. You're very confident and powerful in your pictures. Um, like, I feel like we need to normalize love for our body and you come out there with no shame and all confidence. You actually posted and it said, uh, just a reminder that I'm very fat and very cute and can give a damn what you think about it. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. What was going through your mind when you wrote that and posted that? Um, I think we all have moments sometimes where people feel too entitled to how you look and what you do with your body or with your time or with whatever. Um, And I think it's important to remind people that you do things to suit you and that make you happy. And that's about you first. Uh, I feel like, especially when you put yourself out there, be it as a model or performer or whatever. uh, Yes, you're putting out art. So people are allowed to, comment and people will pass comments on it but at the end of the day you're doing things for yourself um so like there's no me I can't stop anybody from having a comment over how I look if I post a picture on my Instagram um but I can continue to make art that suits me and that makes me happy and as long as I'm doing that and not creating for somebody else then that's how it stays fun and that's how I feel proud of what I'm doing Mm -hmm. how do you handle criticism from other people I mean, like anybody else, you know, depending how it's thrown at me, uh, (laughs) I could be sensitive too. But um, I think it's really important to listen sometimes what the criticism is, um, who it's coming from too. Uh, Sometimes things can come across as harsh, but it could be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think if it's someone have an opinion on like something like the way you look you know take it with a grain of salt you know take everything with a grain of salt sometimes but like I don't know sometimes you know you hear someone go comment at you about like your performance or something and it's like what do you but like if that person's been performing for a long time or like you know sometimes it just helps to you know just listen and like there might be something to what somebody's saying Mm -hmm. only if you give them that time to listen you're right definitely um how did we meet I think it was through Maggie's Toronto or was it Strap right yeah yeah so you've been with them a lot you've been doing a lot of online shows with them can you tell us a bit about the queer black strip club with Strap House and whatnot uh I became I connected with Maggie's um during the pandemic um locally I'm connected with Stella Montreal which is like Maggie's Toronto but in Montreal Mm-hmm. And uh, through performing for them uh, before the pandemic, um, I was able to connect with Maggie's Toronto. Um, I feel really lucky to, <laughs> because I yeah. like, you know, if the pandemic might have not happened, I, I don't know if I would have had the chance to, you know, connect with Marissa Daddy uh, or the rest of uh, the Maggie's team. Um, it's an amazing collective. Uh, every Mm. show that I've ever done uh, even though it's online I'm always floored by what everybody's doing uh, and how hot everybody makes everything that's one thing Um, seeing how hot everybody is and just how comfortable in your sexuality it definitely kind of helped me I guess even more become comfortable in mine like I think when the pandemic happened I had only really been performing for two years so like 
I had an opportunity to kind of grow as an artist through Maggie's through doing so many shows and seeing what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm excited to bring a little bit of that flavor to what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love how like, they've got like always an audience there too. And when, when I first performed, that was when I met you. I was just like, holy, this thing went on until like 4 a.m. It was yeah. lit. It was lit. <laughs> I also don't want to leave out the fact that they're doing very important work too. Uh, uh, they've been raising money uh, to give support to Black sex workers uh, throughout the pandemic. I've seen they've done uh, funding. I've seen they've done food banks. I've seen they did a vaccination clinic, that, yeah. uh, which was amazing because, you know, you had the option to, I think, give your information or not give your information and still be vaccinated. Uh, so it's great that they're doing all these online shows, but like, I think it's really, uh, it, it's even powerful that they're taking time in a pandemic uh, to help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was perfect timing because without these online things, uh, same with me, I'm like, I had no idea what I was going to be doing. So appreciate those online platforms. <laughs> Uh, cracking an egg on your ass is a talent, I see. <laughs> um, is, what's your OnlyFans like? And is it food-based? Sometimes it could be. Um, my OnlyFans is a weird and wild place because mm-hmm. I, like I said, I, I do things and I make acts and I do whatever I want based on however I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, maybe, you know, there's that video where, um, I was cracking an egg on my ass. Uh, I had made a birthday cake video for my birthday and I just kind of walk you through, uh, the process of making a cake, but sexy. sexy. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, before you, uh, came into burlesque, you, you said you're a stripper. How long have you been doing that for? Okay, so I most of my stripping work is online. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it started during the pandemic. Um, before I was performing in burlesque, I started off as a stage kitten just to give myself a bit of experience. Um, yeah, like most of my stripping online work, uh, sorry, most of my experience stripping is all online uh, through my OnlyFans or um, other like uh, online events. Mm-hmm. Now that everything's opened up, are you considering trying out the clubs in your area? I would like to. Um, I think the only thing for me personally at the moment is outside of doing all of this, I'm a hair and makeup artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't know how fast things would start back up for me. And now I'm doing shows, but I've also started working back on sets. So right now my schedule is like... <laughs> I know that feeling. I know. It's like, ah, <laughs> how long have you been doing makeup for? I saw a picture of your face. It was kind of like, uh, what you call it, that uh, Day of the Dead Mexican kind of. Yeah, you know. I did like a, I, I think for, I did a photo shoot where I did like a clap, like a skull and I had like. Yeah, sugar skull. Something. Face, yeah. Um, I've been doing makeup for over 10 years. Whew. I've been doing hair for at least six years. And that is kind of how this all started. Um, Over 10 years ago, uh, I had written an email to a local photographer, my good friend, Marissa Paracella. Um, And at first I was kind of just looking for experience. I didn't really know what was going to be available for me or like, yeah, I didn't know what was going to be available for me. And then she called me in for an interview and was just like, all right, well, this is how it works for payment, this and that. And I was like, 
So this is a job. Mm-hmm. Um, Marissa, uh, she shoots a, a lot of local burlesque artists, um, a lot of sex workers in different fields. Um, so having a chance to connect with a dollar of different people, uh, I guess, kind of opened the doors to, you know, what I could be doing and that, like, I could do anything and whatever I want. And like, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you made a comment about hair textures, which is really interesting that how a lot of music videos portray hair textures that are like not the right texture. What do you say? What are you saying? Like it's more um, like straighter hair, I'm assuming like three D is that what it's called a difference? Cause you're so yeah, um, the difference so I can actually understand. <laughs> so like you have your different hair types um, like type A, type B, uh, types wait a b yeah type a type b hair and then it goes from like one two three four mm-hmm. so depending on the nu- uh, the letter and the number that you have is going to depend on your texture of hair um most of the time um most of the time when it comes to black hair in the media we always see like a type three hair maybe like a type which is like what? A, 3B, 3C. So what that looks like is curly. Mm-hmm. Um, let me try to think of like a, of like a, of like a celebrity or something. Um, well, like Stormy Maya, um, cause she, she's all, she actually talks about her hair, hair texture a lot too. I think is more in the type three, maybe like a type three C, um, type hair uh whereas mine is i i have a type four type b hair like uh, my hair is very very curly Mm -hmm. Um, my hair is like a traditional afro it's not like a 4c but my hair is still pretty curly so like usually um in the media you'll only really see one type and then you think that like well this is what the texture should look like for everybody this is how you think it should work for everybody sometimes people for example ask me well are your edges late like Mm -hmm. My hair is slick today, but my edges are not laid. Like talk to my girl about this. I've got the same problem. Jeez, fuck. Like (laughs) when you have type four hair, you're gonna lay your edges. You're gonna go out for five minutes in the humidity, and they're just gonna. So like, you have to really wonder these standards. Who are they for? I don't feel that bad then. Cause like, I mean, I did these edges like first thing this morning. Cause I'm just have nothing else to do, but over prepare. And yeah, you're right. They're just, they're just, no, no, don't feel bad at all. Cause like <laughs> your hair is going to do what it wants to do naturally. Right. So yeah. if it's going to be curly, it's going to be curly. I mean, yeah. most you can do is like, uh, what, like put a scarf down and hope for the best. Yeah. But like at the end of the day, it's totally normal. If you do an act and by the end of the act, like you have little curly bits. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that appreciate it <laughs> what's the craziest hairstyle you've ever had craziest hairstyle i've ever had um i think it's probably a wig uh with hairstyling i also do wig styling um and wig styling allows me to have fun because i mean it's synthetic hair so you can really do whatever you want with it um mm-hmm. i've made um what's her name elvira i've made an elvira wig uh, i've made a wig inspired by dolly parton that took me <laughs> nice. because it was a lot of 
hair to set. But then like, I really stood up and was like walking around this. I'm going to tease it here. I'm going to tease it there. I need more like, yeah. So I think those are probably the two craziest uh, styles I've ever done. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. I love hairstyles. Um, I want to just go back to your Amplify BIPOC fund. What out of that scholarship, what have you guys given away? Like what has it done to um, uh, BIPOC people that are um, in the program? So uh, we've helped fund quite a few students through Arabesque as well as Dangerous Beauty Entertainment um, to be able to take progressive burlesque classes, whether it's like a burlesque 101 where you learn the basics or um, what Arabesque here in Montreal calls Class B, which is a class that you can take to get yourself ready um, to, for the stage for your first act. Um, so we funded some students through that. Um, we've given funding to a couple of local artists. Uh, so we've helped uh, Lexi, Le- Lexi Brown, who was, I was beyond excited to be able to fund someone like her because like, like a local like that and like everything she's done for our local community. Like, yes, we definitely want to help you back too. Um who is she like is she just a local in montreal singer dancer oh lexi brown uh lexi brown is like an award-winning burlesque artist um yeah definitely i'm gonna have to look her up Ah! (laughs) you won't be disappointed she's like she's definitely mama for a lot of us here (laughs) like i remember the first time that i saw her perform and like okay i don't know if you've ever saw this clip that dita put out once and it was just dita doing things around the house but sexy like Mm. talking with the earpiece on but sexy that's how i feel about lexi i feel like she could literally do anything and wear a paper bag on stage and still like blow you away like oh, yeah. <laughs> Lexi Lexi Lust Lexi Love Foxy Lexi Brown Foxy Lexi Brown Foxy Lexi Brown I will remember that and I'm going to check her out make sure you do the same how will people find um Amplify Burlesque how do they um apply how would they find you guys so we have, uh, whenever we have something going on, um, I always make an Instagram post about it because we don't have uh, just an Instagram page for Amplify. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a Facebook page for Amplify. So if you look up Amplify Burlesque on Facebook, you will find us. Um, and then, yeah, definitely follow me on Facebook. Um, at the moment, our next event, our next project that we're working on is um, we're doing like a, a day of workshops in the park. So I'm calling it burlesque thought shit in the park. Mm. And we have uh, four different people leading workshops. So we have uh, Lexi that's doing um, hair choreography. Um, We have Lulu La Duchesse that's doing a floor work. We have Kitty Knievel from Ottawa that's doing uh, fans and I'm giving a twerk shop. Oh, yeah. um, It's all BIPOC coaches, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. Um, There's tickets available, but uh, for anyone that's able to come to the event in Montreal, uh, it's free for BIPOC students. Perfect. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, Tell us about your twerk shop. So, there's a lot of things that are going along where um, white people will take twerk and gentrify it instead of explaining where it comes from. Can you explain to everyone what that means and how you go about explaining where twerk comes from? 
Uh, I definitely think it's important to explain where things originated from. It definitely gives you a better appreciation of what you're doing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it just always seems weird to me to just start doing something without knowing like the background of it. Um, I, uh, gentrification of twerking. Uh, I know here in Montreal I could be wrong but when I've looked at other twerk classes I mostly see white teachers Mm -hmm. Um, why this is I don't know again I think maybe sometimes it's a question of resources available and people having the opportunity to be able to up and start their own class Mm -hmm. Um, I'm grateful uh, I guess that you know burlesque um in burlesque we're very big on teaching where things come from and the history of things I think because of that um you know outside of maybe teachers from the U.S. coming to give a twerk shop here no one has taken it upon themselves yet to give a twerk shop because they know that you know this is a dance form that come from black women Mm -hmm. um so with that said I'm excited to be able to I guess you know finally bridge that gap uh and be able to try that um and really I guess do it my way um I I don't really have the intention of uh doing like a full I know for my first class I don't really have the intention of doing like a full choreography I'm kind of leaving it open to all levels so everybody can come and kind of enjoy uh you know even though we're talking about gentrification I don't want to make it seem like you know movement isn't for everybody and white girls shouldn't absolutely not be twerking I just think it's the way that we're being that it's being used you know I think it speaks volumes um when you know a white person is like oh well I like twerking and then somehow for some reason they have like this urban look and then it's just and then it kind of just becomes like a character or something whereas um I have a friend um, who's an amazing go-go artist and she's always like doing go-go to surf rock. But when I see her twerking to surf rock, like to me, that's cool. And it Mm. adds something different because it's not her trying to be an urban woman or something. It's her well within her element and, you know, not trying to like, um, not trying to like, uh, be somebody else she's I guess making it her own for me it's like she's making it her own in that sense yeah let's talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and how uh it affected you and if there's anything because of the movement that's happened how has it made you relate to others in the workplace not relate to others but like more as to like how now do you come across to speaking with white people about explaining Black Lives Matter Hmm. Um, so I had mentioned before that I'm a hair and makeup artist. Uh, a lot of the hair that I do is vintage. So a lot of my time in the last couple of years has been working with the pinup or vintage community. Um, if you don't know what pinup is, uh, you know, think of like Marilyn Monroe, uh, Betty Page. Uh, these are examples of, uh, famous pinups. Uh, it's like a subculture that's really, really popular. Um, and you know, it is fun to, you know, dress in this vintage style, but I don't agree with people holding on to vintage values, especially you don't have to anymore. It's 2021. Mm. Um, so, um, 
before all, you know, the shootings and thing and all the unfortunate events started happening, um, being the only black person in that community, because pinup community, it, it's not only white, but it is predominantly white, especially in Quebec. Um, it, it, it felt off-putting to kind of see certain things. Um, a lot of pinup culture, like I was saying, revolves around um, old traditions. Uh, some of these traditions uh, are like, um, you know, the Mexican pinup, the tiki pinup. The, uh, I, find, like, I find it kind of tacky to still do these things because, um, you know, with everything going on right now, uh, you know, it, it's uh, very ballsy of people to put these costumes on. Meanwhile, you know, if someone was to dress in their traditional clothing going down the street, um, you know, be it an Asian woman, uh, a Mexican person or whatever, um, they might get hate crimes. So it's a privilege to be able to, you know, dress that way and walk around freely like that. Whereas still today, a lot of these people are depending where they are in the world, they don't have rights. Um, so for speaking out on that, uh, it was misinterpreted as me calling the community racist. Mm. So I kind of cut ties with that community. Fast forward to the Black Lives Matter and everything happening. And now in the pinup um, community, there's the whole hashtag vintage value, uh, hashtag vintage style and not vintage values. So now since all of this, it's become super popular to talk about cultural hmm. appropriation, representation in the community. Imagine uh, that. All of these things. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, at least we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it really sucks. Not even sucks, but like, I, I don't have the right word for it. People had to die for people to come to this realization. Um, it's extreme. It's scary. It's sad. It's unfortunate. Um, yeah. Uh, since that situation, when it, I guess, sorry to answer your question personally for me, since that situation, when it comes to explaining things to white people, I try to read the room because nine times out of 10, um, whenever these things happen, they don't actually want to hear what you have to say about it. Mm -hmm. So like, if it's someone very, very close to me that I feel like I could trust, then I'll try to explain them better. But generally, I won't even bother because there's a whole internet of information. There's Google. There's Ask Google. There's <laughs> Ask Alexa. You can ask Siri. You can ask everybody. You don't even have to ask me. Yeah. So if you can't take it upon yourself to go and know better, then like I, I don't know if I can have the conversation with you. Yeah. You know, that's a good point because I definitely only just spoke to uh, close, immediate friends and then mm -hmm. everyone else are just acquaintance wise. I mean, do the work. It's time for some rapid fire Q&A. Let's begin the four for one. I'm going to go on to our four for one. So I'm just like going to ask you um, some questions, whatever comes to mind, just answer with your heart, whatever. They're, some of them are easy. Some of them are deep. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> What is your favorite way to spend a day off? Favorite way to spend a day off? There needs to be donuts. <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be donuts. Um, aside from that, I'm so not fussy. Like, like a good movie or a good series, some donuts, 
some weed and like I'm good weed. to go. Like, yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. You uh, did a photo shoot with uh, something propaganda. That photo with the weed and the the nipple leaves. I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Do, 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 do. If you could learn to do anything, as you were talking about, because we can do anything we want, what would it be? If I could learn to do anything, I would learn how to make costumes. Because let me tell you, that is such a respected skill. And like, yeah. I'm happy to pay people for it. But damn, if I could do it myself. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on that. I'm all about that glue. i could do very basic things with like my gem tack and some basic stoning but like Mm. nine times out of ten the costumes that i'm wearing are not made right i just find if i move fast enough no one can tell the difference (laughs) that's it right there's that too when your act is good it's Mm -hmm. good like Mm -hmm. you don't need the most rhinestones in the world to be the best performer like Mm -hmm. you just need a really good act yeah yeah (laughs) Um, what's your worst habit? My worst habit? I think it's a lot of us. Like, I don't always see myself the way that others see me. Mm. And because of that, sometimes I'll have Mm self-doubt. And like, it's been interesting because, um, I don't know for yourself, if you had moments in the, um, in the pandemic where you're like, you miss the stage and you're like you're just going through like old times when you used to fuck it up on stage and like I go through them and I'm like oh my god I used to be a rock star (laughs) (laughs) like I was good like but yeah it's normal like self-doubt's normal (laughs) yeah (laughs) but we won't normalize self-doubt um have you ever had something happen to you that you thought was bad but it turned out to be for the best Off the top of my head, um, when I first quit my first job in makeup, it was working at Sephora and I had been there for three years. And when I had left, I was sad. I was crying. I didn't have another job in makeup. I thought it was time to quit. And I thought that it wasn't for me. And like, that's what my boss was telling me at the time that like, this isn't for you. Over 10 years later. (laughs) so like it was a hard it was hard to leave um and not really knowing where I was gonna go because I think I was like 18 or 19 at the time and I had no interest with no interest in uh being in Sejep and like going to university um but grateful because like had I stayed there had I listened to what this person was telling me how I couldn't do this and couldn't do that I would have never met Marissa, like working and meeting my friend Marissa um, has done so much for me in terms of what I can do. And like, this is the person that encouraged me. Yeah. Like you want to do burlesque, go do burlesque. You know, you want to start an OnlyFans page, go start an OnlyFans. Like anything I could do, I could just do it. So. Yeah. Awesome. Good for you. Now, do you have any advice or tips that you want to give to anyone coming into the industry or just in general for people that are listening? I think everybody's story is going to be different on why they do sex work, what they do, how they got there. um, And just know, I guess, that that's okay. And you know, you're going to do things to suit you. Um, Money is great. But I guess a lot of my journey through sex work has been a bit more empowering. Um, 
and that's okay. And like, you are more than allowed to explore these things and, you know, learn about more who you are through that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Oh, good stuff. Well, before I let you go, I'd like you to tell everyone where they can find you, your Instagram, your OnlyFans, your Facebook for yourself and your Amplify Fund burlesque. Tell us all the deets. Yes. Follow me on Instagram at Enchante. Um, through there, I have a link that has all my links. So you can see all my links. <laughs> and then, um, like I was saying, um, if you want to follow the Facebook Amplify page, you can look for us at Amplify Burlesque. But if not, um, the next time that there's, um, like we're doing a call out for the scholarship, uh, I'll almost likely post about it on my Instagram as well. Awesome. Awesome. I'm really grateful to have met you. I don't know if you've ever performed or anything in Montreal, but when I found out that I was doing a show with you, I have friends in the burlesque scene that was like, oh shit, girl. So like, really? That's so cool. Our paths could cross ways in person now that things are open because you're a badass. That's exciting. I had no idea. I haven't even worked in Montreal ever. Like ever. You know, we're going to fix this. (laughs) that's exciting i love that i love hearing shit like that um yeah so as as i was saying this is now a listener funded podcast so if you enjoy guest the stripper podcast and you love what you hear donate 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 Go to our new website at www.yesastripperpodcast.com. Find those donate buttons and send us your money because it will go a long way helping all the sex workers that have been out of work since COVID and paying for future guests and the hosts, of course. So until next time, we will bid you adieu. Bye, Ashante. Bye, all those fellow listeners. And we'll see you next time. Good luck at your show tonight. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. This episode has been a production with Period Podcast Network. Find out more on Instagram at Period Podcast Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram too at Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Please like, subscribe, and rate Yes, a Stripper Podcast here on YouTube. See you next week. <laughs>